everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve's hiking path. The Fed meeting minutes came out the other day and they were essentially like, hey listen, inflation is here and we're gonna keep on hiking, so buckle up everybody. The way that I've kind of thought about the Fed's hiking path recently, and I've made a couple of TikToks about it, is, is a mountain. Because that's essentially what they're doing is they're literally up a mountain. The, the rate hikes are how they're going up the path. The mountain is the economy. There's maybe a billy goat that is the labor market there's storm clouds that are some disinflationary forces the snow on the mountain is the stock market right avalanche at any moment and a lot of mountains actually have switchbacks built into them so the slope that you're climbing isn't as steep it takes some effort out of the hike and it's essentially a zigzag up and down the side and so the fed has been directly climbing this mountain over the past year or so no switchbacks no walking poles just pure love the grind and now they're approaching some economic switchbacks data that will make them slow their roll like inflation slowing down and might make the overall endeavor of a soft landing a little bit easier. Still hiking, but mindfully. However, switchbacks can also make the climb more difficult if you choose to ignore them entirely, which is what the Fed might end up doing. And so the big question for 2023 is how the Fed approaches this hiking path. Will they incorporate switchbacks into their climb or will they just straight up rip the side of the mountain? So Fed speed. For now, the Fed appears to be pretty cognizant of the switchbacks, but they're not slowing down. They have more mountain to climb. And yes, they do notice sees potentially disinflationary storm clouds rolling in from the auto sector, rents falling rapidly and U.S. manufacturing activity going to recession, but you know, onwards, right? They might not hike by 75 basis points, likely 50 or 25 basis points even, but they're still going to be climbing that mountain with all they have with this furious energy and don't you dare suggest otherwise. The top of the mountain is that 2% inflation target, right? What's cool about the top of the mountain is that nobody knows where it is so everyone's kind of like maybe maybe this is where it will end up but who really knows like we managed to go farther the fed plans to get rates up to five percent plus this year according to their recent summary of economic projections this will be the terminal rate the point at which they stop their hiking journey so the top of the mountain peak inflation literally but staying at the top of the mountain is also tightening in its own way because the only way that the hike really ends is if you come back down the mountain so the market versus the fed now now the fed is kind of squaring up with the market and here it's represented by this snow this avalanche that could potentially be pretty unruly and pretty unpredictable and making sure that the market understands that even if the fed rolls up to a yield sign on the mountain that doesn't mean that they're going to be turning around and of course the natural question is if the fed is becoming too focused on market response versus the economic response the two are different surprisingly as the fed themselves said in unwarranted easing in financial conditions especially driven by a misperception by the public of the committee's reaction function would complicate the committee's efforts to restore price stability. Translation is essentially F off markets. So what does the Fed really want? For the Fed, it's this balance of ego and effect. They have to make sure that they don't become too focused on earning back Fed cred on their mountain hike. And that's the worry is that they're like, hey, everybody, we're going to keep hiking because we have to prove to you that we're trustworthy again. The Fed wants to slow things down. The Fed wants to kick this labor market billy goat right off the side of the mountain. Jobs are strong, which the Fed is absolutely not stoked about. The Fed wants the labor market to cool off, and that can either happen through more people returning to work or more people losing their jobs. One is simpler than the other, and that's the harmful one. The reason that the Fed is freaking out so deeply about the labor market is that nominal wage growth is tied to this thing called core services x shelter, basically things that we need to survive, like healthcare, transportation, etc. And they're worried that if wage growth doesn't soften, inflation won't soften. So they're seeing nominal wage growth, they're seeing this inflationary aspect of core services x shelter, and they're like, okay, people need to stop making so much money. So what the Fed is trying to do is blow up the labor market so people stop spending money, inflation goes down. And we, oh my gosh, with all this being said, okay, 
has become really clear that workers are really not respected despite our economy being really reliant on these workers. And one can bemoan, and I'm sure people will, and say, oh, I personally think I should be paid millions of dollars for my job and no one else should have any shred of happiness. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal asking where all the go-getters had gone. And there was a quote in there, since the onset of the pandemic, several employees have asked for more pay when managers asked that they do more work. This is the CEO of a digital ticket scanner company. And she says it was not like that before COVID at all. This article examines each generation's relationship with work, highlighting that boomers are all about going above and beyond, but Gen Z and millennials are just more focused on getting work done. And the thing is, of course, it's this way. We just went through a global pandemic. <laughs> I think there's a lot of life that collectively flashed through people's eyes. You know, most people's passion is not going to be digital ticket scanners. I'm sorry. Despite what the CEO might want, I've written extensively about the collapse of the American dream, but that's sort of what this is too. Like, if you think about boomers, they could work for 40 years for the same company support two and a half kids, buy a house right out of college on that same salary, and it isn't like that anymore. Houses are ungodly expensive. Childcare is ungodly expensive. There might be an element of complacency here, but that's only a response to an environment. There's a research paper that does a deeper dive on this from a scientific level. It's called Papers and Patents Are Becoming Less Disruptive Over Time. That discusses growing complacency in the scientific universe. The focus on publishing has led scientists to focus on a narrow scope of knowledge, right? Evident in the decline of work cited and more citations to the top 1% of papers. Because of incentives, we are pushing the pedal of disruptiveness less. Complacency is pervasive in several different aspects and there's this clip on from CNBC where somebody is talking about the slog that the Fed faces because lower income consumers are doing decently well. Consumer, the consumer is just really still very strong. They have cash balances at the banks that are 30% above where they were pre-pandemic. Even when you look at the lower income cohorts, they're still 12 to 15% above where they were pre-pandemic. So they have cash to spend. They've certainly demonstrated a desire to spend. We're seeing that. What they're spending on is changing and they're moving more to experiences than goods. So they have a job and they have confidence that they can get another job if they need to. So that's a really tough nut for the Fed to crack when the U.S. consumer is 70 percent of the economy. And so we think this is going to take time and this is going to be a real slog for the next eight to nine months. And of course, the Fed has to put a stop to that. So inflation goes down and it's just so jarring because, you know, the Fed doesn't want joblessness per se, but they also don't not want joblessness. Neil Kashkari wrote about this but yesterday, monetary policy is the appropriate tool to bring the labor market back to balance, is what he said in his paper. And maybe it is, but like, also, there was a good passage from a really good analyst named Pete, who said there is a need for central bankers to not always rely solely on their faulty econometrics models, and instead throw in some human nature common sense sometimes. Like, my goodness, the economy is not slogging because lower income people are making more money. It's slogging because of a wide underinvestment in key facilities and the people that keep Keep those facilities running. As many have said countless times, the Fed can't make more things. It can only encourage other people to invest in the capacity to make more things. More direct fiscal policy would be great here, but at this current moment, we don't even have a speaker, you know, of the house. So it's a bit grim on that front. Too. We're seeing some aspects of weakness in the labor market. Tech is going through a reckoning with Amazon cutting 18,000 jobs, 1% of their company. There's this quote, <laughs> Amazon investors gave positive reaction to the latest belt tightening efforts, betting it may bolster profits at the e-commerce company. And remember, this is the stock market. And this is how the stock market is, this is how it's always been. You cannot use money as a moral compass. You cannot say the stock market is a good thing all the time. It's a mechanism that prices profits and growths and literally nothing else.
else. Bolstering profits shouldn't be the end game, <laughs> but it is. Uh, Philip Fisher wrote, you know, the stock market is filled with individuals who know the price of everything, but know the value of nothing. There's a quote from Casey Henmer too that said, in 2023, it's still insane that we've decided to make housing a technology at least 100 centuries old, scarce enough to consume a major fraction of GDP and a speculative, unproductive, deflationary asset that we could otherwise allocate to solving real problems. It's huge and ongoing impacts on the future. And Albert Camus, Albert Camus said, real generosity towards the future lies and giving it all to the present. And I get that the Fed has a limited toolkit. I've talked extensively about the Fed on this channel, but I think it's important that we think about implementing policy that is thoughtful around preserving these labor market billy goats, which the Fed is trying to do, but policy hammers have quite a bit of shockwave, right? And they're mindful of the storm clouds on the mountain. The Fed has a really, really hard job, but hopefully they're going to hike with these switchbacks rather than just tearing up the mountainside. So thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. This is a Substack, carl.substack.com. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, you all know. So it's all linked in the description box. I hope you all are doing okay, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye.